from John 1, 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And this is the word of the Lord. All right, I've got a riddle for you. Um, this is one I remember hearing when I was growing up as a kid. So there's a farmer, all right? He's got three sons. The only asset he has in life is this farm. He's got nothing else to give as an inheritance, and he likes all his kids. So instead of just, like, handing it to one, he has a contest to see who gets to inherit the farm, all right? So here's the contest. You have one week, sons, to gather as much of any one material as you can. You're farmers, after all. Gather it up and fill the barn as high and full as you can fill it. Whoever puts the most stuff in the barn one week later gets the farm. Simple enough. So the first son gets to work. He starts harvesting hay like there's no tomorrow. He calls his buddies. He's got everybody there. And they harvest tons and tons and tons of hay. They stack it up. It looks like Tom Clark's barn. It's so high, you can reach the rafters. All right? Well done, son, son number one. Son number two takes a different tact. Uh, he, took, he had a little physics in his high school days. So he thinks, man, if I could get the weight to you know, substance ratio a little better than hay, I might fluff it all up and win this thing. So he starts shearing sheep like there's no tomorrow. He calls his buddies over, thousands and thousands of sheep. So they fluff up all the wool, and he just outfills his brother's hay in the barn. Okay, Number two is in the lead. Number three did not have a promising start to this competition. When he heard the news, he didn't do much. He kind of went back to his room, thought about it for a little bit, accidentally fell asleep. He spent the rest of the week kind of watching his brothers harvest with their hair on fire, you know, and maybe whittled a stick or two and uh, called it an afternoon. The other two figured it was a two-horse race. But after all the hay was cleared out, after all the wool was cleared out, the day was very late, it was getting on towards midnight, and the father and the three sons gathered in the huge, empty, cavernous, dark barn. Son number three wandered in and didn't have any wagons of stuff, didn't have any friends on the way with trailers, uh, and didn't have anything on him to fill the barn. His dad asked what he was planning to fill the barn with, and he said, it's in my pocket. Who knows the answer? What did he fill the barn with that night? What do we got over here? Someone in the back? No? Guess? Braden? No? Any guesses? 
lights. He pulls a match out of his pocket, he strikes the bottom of his boot, and from the floor to the ceiling, every nook and cranny on that midnight night was filled with the warm light of the match. The deep, in the deep darkness, in the deepest darkness, even the smallest bit of light changes everything. It fills a room. And Christmas is the moment in history, when, uh, in the history of our world, when God turned the lights on, and for the first time, a small flicker of light that would change everything lit up the night sky. We read it in our first passage tonight, Isaiah 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. When these words were, were first spoken uh, or first written, the people of God lived in deep darkness. The, the nation had descended into political darkness, that many suffered physical, emotional pain. It, it was a spiritually dark time for the people of Israel. I don't know what kind of darkness uh, you have experienced in life. Uh, there are so many ways that we move through this world blind. Uh, so many ways we suffer, so many ways we ache for a hurting and broken world. The darkness can seem thick sometimes. But then, every year, like clockwork, it comes every year, uh, this, this day arrives. Um, and on one of the darkest days of the entire year, the church gathers together to remind one another that we have seen a great light and that it changes everything. What happens when God turns the light on um, in our lives or in the world? That's the Christmas question. What, what happens when God turns on the lights? Well, first, his light brings life. I mean, at the most basic level, we need light to live. Our entire planet runs on the energy and the warmth and the light of the sun that we revolve around. Without that, we are a cold, inert, dead rock floating through space. And spiritually, that is true as well. The, the core problem in our world, the problem underneath all the other problems, the, the source of all the darkness that we experience, is that we as a people, as a race, as human beings, ha have rebelled against our sun, okay? We, we try to live as if the sun doesn't exist. We, we shut our eyes to the light. When we sin and we reject God as God, we rebel against the light itself, against its warmth, against its goodness. We try to live as if he doesn't exist. And, and as if we're the center of our own little solar system revolving around nothing, and, and it just doesn't work. It's chaos. The last passage uh, that we read was from John 1, and we read this. In him, in Jesus Christ, was life, real life, true life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. If you have ever found yourself in the darkness um, of sin or shame or guilt, if you've ever felt the emptiness, even the chaos, of, of trying to live as if you could be the son of your own life, um, if you've ever experienced the darkness of our hurting world, hear this. Christmas is the moment light broke into our world to bring you life, real life. Light that forgives, light that, light, light that warms your spirit, light that no darkness of any kind can overcome. Light brings life, and light also brings truth. Um, in, in high school and college, my side job, my, my side hustle, was I drove this, um, I delivered furniture for this uh, family business, like a small furniture shop. And so me and my buddy would drive around mid-Missouri on the back roads, uh, delivering, you know, overly heavy couches to large homes, okay? This is my side hustle. And uh, one of the features of this truck was not only that it was a million years old and that there was a family of mice living in it we couldn't find, but that it only had enough, like, electrical power in it 
to have the dome lights on on the inside. I didn't know David at the time. He could have fixed this for me. Only had enough electrical power uh, for lights to be, have the lights on the inside or um, had enough electrical power for the headlights to work on the outside, okay? You had to pick. You had to choose. And this was the days before smartphones. So we're rolling around with paper maps trying to find these random homes in the back roads. And uh, we could either see, um, sorry, we could either know where we were going by looking at the map or we could see where we were going by turning on the headlights, but not both. Um, there was not enough light to both know the path and follow the path. Christmas means that you and I never have to make that decision in our lives. Not really, okay? Not really. Um, when we navigate our lives, when we, when we move through this world, we are not left alone to, to figure out where to go and how to get there. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The light of Christ brings truth. You have a guide. You have a companion. You, a trusted friend who can show you the way of life and flourishing and joy. And the reason is, is because he's walked this path before you. He knows what it's like to move through this world. You are never alone. You have the light of truth. And then, of course, the light that dawned on Christmas brings great joy. This is what Isaiah highlights for us in this famous passage in Isaiah 9, verse 3. You have multiplied the nations. Uh, you, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they're glad when they divide the spoil. There was a French philosopher named Blaise Pascal who uh, once made the observation that all of us are born with a hole in our heart. It's not a physical hole. It's a spiritual hole. He called it a God-sized hole. Um, this is basically what he said. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. See, the thing is, though, we try to fill that void with, with all kinds of things in, in this life, with, with epic experiences, with work, with money, power, super yachts, like whatever your thing is, you're dumping something into the vacuum of your heart, trying, looking for joy and fulfillment and hope and meaning. Uh, but whatever it is, it's not big enough, okay? It's not rich enough. It's a God-sized hole, not a vacation-sized hole. Um, it's enormous. It's eternal. You were designed for so much more joy, for so much more meaning than anything in this world can provide. So if you have ever felt the darkness of disappointment, about this life? Have you ever felt the emptiness of meaning, a lack of contentment? The claim of Christmas is that a new kind of joy, a deeper meaning, a richer life has arrived in our world, and his name is Jesus, and he will walk with you through life. This is what happens when God turns the lights on. But to be fair, there are other religions that hold out the possibility of enlightenment, don't they? Um, there's lots of advice out there trying to brighten your day. Uh, lots of gurus selling some technique or life hack uh, to make you shine in a new way. Um, so the question is, is this Christmas story just one of many offerings uh, out there that are available to brighten your life? It, it, if this works for you, great. But if not, maybe we try crystals or veganism or a cold plunge or something, you know. Um, is there really anything different about this story? about this light? And the answer is yes. And we see it in Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us, a child is born. How did the light come into the world? A baby arrived. That's different. To us, a son is given. 
and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. You see, the light of Christmas is not merely an idea you need to believe. It's a habit that you need to adopt, a state of Zen you need to find. The light of Christmas is a person. A child is born, a son is given. God himself came into our world as a human baby, uh, vulnerable, small, like able to be hurt. He cried, uh, unable to do anything on his own. He came to to dwell among us, to live with us, to die for us, to to experience all the darkness that we will ever experience in this world. And then he was raised to new life. He was raised from death. This is a light that does not originate here in our world. It it does not come from inside our own hearts. Um, It's a person. His name's Jesus, who, who comes from outside our world and pours the light of heaven into our lives. Do you see the difference? Do you see what that means? Tim Keller puts it so well in his book on Christmas. He says... If God has really been born in a manger, then we have something that no other religion even claims to have. It's a God who truly understands you um, from the inside of your experience. There's no other religion that says God has suffered, that God had to be courageous, he had to be brave, that he knows what it's like to be abandoned by friends, to be crushed by injustice, to be tortured and die. Christmas shows he knows what you're going through, and when you talk to him, he understands. Jesus brings life, he brings truth, he brings joy. God turned the lights on by sending his only son for us. But here's what I want you to hear tonight. Yes, that happened 2,000 years ago, but God is still turning the lights on all over the world in people's lives right now, today. I want to finish with a story, true story, a recent story of God's light invading someone's life in a powerful way. This is Ayan Hirsi Ali. She was born in Somalia and raised in a radical Islamic environment. Uh, She survived a civil war. She survived beatings. She actually escaped from her country when she was uh, pledged in a forced marriage, and she sought asylum in the Netherlands. She, in Holland, she earned a degree in uh, political science and eventually uh, sat on their parliament um, in the Netherlands. You may have heard of her because she wrote this best-selling book a few years back called Infidel, And in it, she explains how she has rejected all religion, like all of it from her experience growing up. The three-letter words of God, she says, stands for evil in my life, in my worldview. She became an outspoken advocate for atheism. Uh, Many of her buddies and closest friends were people like Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens, basically like the most famous atheists in the last 20 years. Um, That was her crew. She helped create a film with a director named Theo Van Gogh about Islam's treatment of women. And, and when it was released, Van Gogh was actually murdered uh, by, by an Islamic extremist. And pinned to his body was a note that said Ion was next, okay? So now she flees from the Netherlands and she ends up in America. She uh, currently is a professor at Stanford and she's 53 years old and is a highly accomplished woman who has seen a ton in life. From radical Islam to new atheism. And then just a month ago, like literally four weeks back, She publishes an article about a process that she has been going through over the past number of months, and the title of the article was Why I'm Now a Christian, all right? And in an interview just a few weeks uh, after that, so just a couple weeks back, uh, she shared more of the personal side of this transformation in her life, the moment that God turned the lights on for her. And listen to how she describes this moment. Uh, she, She said, I went through a period of crisis, very personal, of fear and anxiety and depression. 
I saw the best therapist money could buy, but continued to have a spiritual hole. She experienced that vacuum. Nothing could fill it. I, I tried to self-medicate. I drank enough alcohol to sanitize a hospital. Nothing helped. I read books on psychiatry and the brain. Nothing helped. I'd given up hope. I was in a place of darkness. You hear her language. The God I grew up with was a horror show. These are her words. He created you to punish you and frighten you, and as a girl and as a woman, you're just a piece of trash. I didn't believe in God, and more than that, I hated the God I didn't believe in. Uh, and after sharing this, um, she says her therapist asks her, okay, okay, let's do this. You're, you're in a place of spiritual darkness. What, what if you were to design your own God? Okay, and she said, I'm sorry, what? Design your own God, all right? You can attribute any characteristics you want to God. What would the God that you make up look like? What would he be like? Ian doesn't tell us in this interview what exactly was on her list of her made-up God, but given her background, you could guess, right? Instead of a, a God of, of horrors, of course she would long for a God of mercy and generosity and, and, a, and a God of grace and freedom and, and truth that doesn't oppress, but truth that invites and beckons. And instead of an empty universe without purpose, she would long for a God of meaning and design and eternal hope, a God that invites her into a story of goodness that lasts forever. So anyway, she, she's in this conversation with her therapist, and she's making up her God as she goes, okay? And then she has this quote, and when I was listening to her describe it, I just started weeping um, because she said this. I was going on and on, and it struck me in that moment right there. Hold on a second. I'm describing Jesus Christ, aren't I? Um, she says, I, I'm here designing my own God, and I'm just describing Christianity at its best. I don't have to make up yet another God. I need to go deeper into the story of Jesus. This was mere weeks ago, so I would invite you to join me in praying for our new sister, Ayan, as she basks in the light of Christ and makes her first steps into the church and into the kingdom. But I share this story because Ayan was in deep darkness, and many of us are too, and so much of our world is too. But God is still today, constantly, regularly in the business of turning his lights on in people's lives and flooding their heart with his hope and his love and his joy and his truth. The invasion of light and joy and meaning into our world happened 2,000 years ago uh, across the planet in an obscure backwater small village of the Roman Empire, but it is just as powerful today as it was then. This is the evergreen hope. This is the perpetual joy. The Christmas light is spreading. The, the song of joy is going viral. Like the king is on the move. H have you experienced his light? Has he turned his lights on for you? Can you imagine a better God than Jesus? Who, who would leave his home in heaven to bleed and to suffer and to die for the world and for you? Make up whatever God you want, right? You cannot do better than the God who is real, the God who actually came into our world and has visited us and made his home with us and brings light and joy and a reign of love to your life. You cannot do better than Christmas. The light of the world, Jesus Christ, who lights up your life, all right? Let me pray for us, and we'll sing a couple more songs. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son into our world to shine your light in the deep darkness. Without you, we're lost. Without you, it's dark. Without you, we're alone. But with you, God, man, that changes everything. May your light tonight flood our lives. Help us enjoy and experience your hope and your meaning, your grace, your forgiveness for all the ways that we have not walked as you want us to walk. God, would your light become more real to us tonight? Turn the lights on. We ask these things in your name. Amen.